0: Wrap. we're looking at our finances, and I't have you ever felt like that? Just kind of all tied up I have and uh, boy, I wished I had had a series like this when I was younger. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. you know a lot of times when I approach the Bible, I want to look through it and I want to just say, okay, well show me where it just where I can fix this and so i've I've tried to just find the chapter on giving and uh, on finances, and you know what there's not a chapter on giving and finances. all of scripture speaks to Giving into finances. And so our series is looking at different principles uh, throughout Scripture that just talks about um, how to manage uh, that which God has entrusted to our care. And so we started this series uh, almost four weeks ago, and uh, we started out by looking at um, the fact that God has a plan uh, for our finances. We serve God, and then uh, our money serves us. And so God has entrusted us with our finances, and uh, it is supposed to serve us in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 24 we looked at the fact that that uh, we cannot serve both god and our finances no one can serve two masters he's either going to hate one and love the other he's going to be devoted to one and despise the other you can't serve god and money and so god in his design for us uh, has um, created us uh, to use our finances and so god provides for our jobs and so um, god provides us uh, for our ministry we're able to uh, we're able to eat we're able to house Uh, put roofs over our our heads and provide for our families. And so our jobs are how God provides for us. And so our money serves us. We are not to serve um, our money. In fact, you can't do both. And you have to pick one. And we looked at the fact that in our culture, um, that is an issue that people have to kind of work through. Is God going to be our first priority or is our money going to be our first priority? And we looked at the importance of putting uh, God first in everything. We also looked at the fact that we're supposed to be living within our wage or living within our means. In Hebrews 13:5, 5, uh, it says this, We're to keep our life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God will never leave us or forsake us. We are to be content with what we have, to not be striving after worldly pursuits, but really to be able to find our fulfillment and find our sense of purpose and our identity in Christ and in him alone. And so we're supposed to um, put um, our, our God first in our finances, and then we're supposed to live with our wage and be content with everything that God has given us. And then last week we looked at the fact that we are um, God's managers. God gives us money. And uh, we're to manage that which he has entrusted to our care. In uh, 2 Corinthians 9, in chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, Paul writes this. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he what? As he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And we looked at the fact that we're to put God first in our finances. We honor God with our finances through tithes and through our offerings. And so it's just a reminder that everything that we have uh, has been given to us. And God's entrusted to us with that. And we honor him with our finances by giving back to him uh, through a tithe and through our offerings. Last week, Pastor Dan invited us to think about taking the tithe challenge. And so for those of you that have have giving, um, Dan had just invited you to participate in uh, starting to honor God with a tenth of your finances just through a tithe. And uh, I think a part of the agreement was that if you find that um, God uh, doesn't bless you through that, if you create some kind of a turmoil in your life by honoring God with your finances in that way, uh, Dan actually said, Pastor Dan said he'd give you a money back guarantee with that. Now, if you will honor God with your finances, um, He will bless you, and God will uh, use uh, that uh, um, just that giving in such an amazing way. And then, if you're not giving at all, and He encouraged you to maybe begin with three percent, and so um, just a part of just saying, "Hey, God, this is this is uh, everything that You provided for me comes from Your hand. I'm grateful." And He encouraged us um, just to be uh, generous and to maybe start with three percent, maybe start to move up to ten percent. One of my great examples of all the men that I have kind of modeled and kind of watched through ministry is a guy named Rick Warren. Rick Warren is a pastor of the church out in California at Saddleback. And uh, Rick, uh, just through his faithfulness, God has just blessed him. Uh, He wrote uh, The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, Their ministry has just flourished. And um, Rick actually reversed tithes. And so Rick gives away 90% of everything that God's provided for him, and he lives on 10 and so uh, we don 't have to limit uh, God in our giving; we can be generous, and God will provide and I think this is a, a, an area that um, in the u s that it really this is an important topic for us because I think this is an area that we struggle with. We got a slide that I wanted to go back to when I look at the United States, we are um, under five percent of the world population there 's somewhere in the area of Uh, 380 million uh, people in the U.S. The world population is about 700 billion. Um, Go back to the slide before this. If you look at the world population, we are less than 5% and we consume 50% of the world's resources. Go back to the previous slide, would you, Mark? It's a graph. No graph? Okay, so that doesn't show up very well. (laughs) It's a graph that shows we are... This percentage of the population, and we consume 50% of the world's resources. In the United States, we consume 25% of the world's fossil fuels, gasoline. We consume uh, 95% of the corn that's grown here in the U.S. goes to feed cattle, the, to, to graze beef. And we are one of the world's largest consumers of beef. We just consume the world's resources. We've got an insatiable appetite uh, for more In the U.S., and then we can go to this next slide. Just looking at some of the statistics here in the U.S., you know, the average income in the U.S. is $160 a day. The average family in the United States uh, makes $160 a day. Half the world, 50% of the world, 3.8 billion people uh, are struggling to make $2 a day. You know, in the United States, um, God has blessed us, and, and we are just a huge consumer of the world's resources. The U.S. has an exponential A number more cars than licensed drivers. Houses are 40% bigger uh, than 25 uh, years ago. We have fewer per household than those bigger houses. So we keep getting bigger and more and more. It's estimated that 65% of all U.S. adults are overweight and obese. We consume a lot of food to excess. The average household spends... Uh, at a rate of 135% of its income. Pastor Dan looked at that last week. The average American credit card debt right now is $14,000. In the U.S., we are consumer-driven, and our money and our spending is out of control. And so this series is so important because it helps us to move away from what the world would teach us about our finances. It moves us away from things that are temporary, things that we're not going to take with us, and it moves us over to thinking about things that are going to last for eternity. Pastor Dan looked at the importance of investing uh, your treasure, where your, where your money is, your heart follows. And he talked about investing in things that have an eternal impact. That is so important for us because we get confused and we get distracted. And this series is so important. Today we want to look at savings and investing our money. We're looking at uh, the buck starts here. Uh, that was a phrase that the buck stops here is what that phrase usually comes from. It means if there's if there's trouble along the way, when it gets to me, the buck's going to stop right here. I'm going to take care of it. Well, this series is about the buck starting here. It's about me making a decision with in my mind and in my heart about what I'm going to do with my finances. And so we're going to be looking at savings and uh, investments today. And uh, when we think about money... Uh, money, uh, there's two types of people when it comes to our finances. And uh, there's uh, savers and there's spenders. So there's two types of people. How many of you would say you're a, you're a saver? How many of you are savers? You're probably married to a spender, right? <laughs> How many of you are spenders that would recognize you're a spender? Yeah, if your hand's not up, and you can put your hand up next to you. Just raise your hand for them. <laughs> there's savers and there's spenders when it comes to uh, money. And, uh, boy, I've seen that play out in my family and in my own life. I've got a sister, and, uh, boy, she is a saver. I think that uh, kid has got the first dollar she ever made. She is just a saver. In fact, she called me last week, and she said, hey, there's a Thanksgiving Black Friday sale going on, and I need a new microwave. And uh, so what's wrong with the one you've got? She said, well, it's it's 20 years old, and she said it when it turns on, sometimes it sparks, and I have to stand by it. And she said, uh, I've been nursing this thing for You know, the last year, and I just, I really feel like I need to get a new one. What do you think? (laughs) I said, said, it's going to burn your house down. I think it's time to buy a new one. That's a saver, isn't it? I mean, she will struggle over every dollar she spends. She's a saver. And I used to be a saver when I was a kid. I'd get my Easter candy on Easter, and I was a kid, I'd hide it. And I'd put it in the closet, and I would hide it, and I'd forget about it, in fact. And then it would be there for, like, months. And so... Uh, there's savers and there's spenders, and then, uh, but now I think you know I'm kind of fallen into the spender category. And then there's spenders in our lives, and I've got an oldest daughter, and she is she is a spender. God love her. Um, I she is such a giving person. She's so generous. Uh, but she can't hold on to a dollar for her life, dependent on it. I remember she got her first job. She was working at a local grocery store. And I remember she came home. Her first payday, she came home. And I said, well, how much did you make? She said, I made $65. Uh, I said, great, let's put that, let's deposit that. And she said, uh, she said, well, let me show you what I bought. <laughs> Myers had this sale, and so after work, look at I got you this, and I got you that, and she got a little movie, and she had some stuff. She bought herself some clothes, and I thought, okay, this kid's going to be in trouble. And whoever marries her better be a saver. <laughs> you know, there's savers and there's spenders, and we're all kind of wired that way. But the 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 intentional decision. To say I'm going to stop spending or I'm going to start investing is something that we we have to make. And we have to be honest about this because savings and spending is not something that we talk about a lot in our culture. I mean, we don't typically sit around to the table talking about, hey, how much did you save last week? We typically talk about, hey, what did we buy yesterday? And there were some great specials last week. I tell you, I was pushing it off, I was pushing it off, and then I got I got an email and it's was like, oh, my gosh, it was free and it was shipping. I had to get it. And so, you know, I think we typically are talking about the things that we purchase. We don't see a lot of people talking about what we're saving. And it's so important that we be people that think about what it means to to use our money wisely and to spend wisely and to save. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, um, it says this. It says, we should go and we should look at the ant. He said, go look at the ant, you sluggard. It's uh, Solomon writing here. and It's almost... Uh, um, it's almost as if he's kind of, you, know, um, you know, making a joke about us being sluggards. I don't know. He said, go look at the ant, you sluggard. And then what? Consider its ways and be what? Repeat that with me. Be what? Be wise. Go look at the ant and consider its ways. Be wise. Without having a chief officer or a ruler, uh, it prepares its bread in the summer and it gathers its food in the harvest. You know, it is intentional about working and saving. Now, I was in the uh, conference room. Uh, we just the remodel looks just absolutely fantastic. And so sometimes I just like to go sit in there. In fact, in the office, sometimes we argue about who gets to use that space. Uh, it's just a nice space. So I was sitting in there uh, last week and, and I had noticed that there was a piece of food on the floor and, uh, and there was an ant getting it. It was almost like that little ant walked by and he went, Ooh, look at look what I found. I think I'm going to grab this and save some of this for later. And he walked off and he took it right into the Right into the, underneath the baseboard. So I called Joe and I said, we need some traps. <laughs> but, you know, if you think about that ant, we're to be wise. We come alongside something we should save. Typically, we think about, hey, we've, we've been given something extra. What can I buy? But we should be like the ant and be wise who gathers its bread. It prepares its bread in the summer and it gathers its food in its harvest. And it's intentional about saving. You know, it's intentional about saving. Proverbs 21 and verse uh, 20. It says this precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. Precious treasure and oil you can find in a what? In a wise man's dwelling. But a foolish man devours it. In other words, a wise man is going to save. He's not going to spend everything he has. You know, if I was going to rewrite this uh, passage to maybe reflect a modern day translation, it would say, you know, a wise man doesn't live from paycheck to paycheck devouring all he has. He sets some aside and he saves it. You know, savings and investments are something that are so important for us. We should not be consuming everything that we have. We should be wise And we should be setting some aside. And spending priorities are something that we really have got to get our hands on. You know, we have the responsibility as parents to train our children up with the instruction of the Lord. We have to teach our kids how to manage their finances. Because if we let the world do that, it's going to be uh, trouble for them. And so we have to teach our kids finances. And so. When I was uh, had kids, you know, I, I sat down with them. It was after I became a believer, and I became a believer when I was 33 years old. And uh, so I had uh, my life was somewhat of a, a, a chaotic mess. Uh, but I tell you, when I came into my relationship with Christ, things just started to fall in line. My relationship with my wife uh, my relationship with God became something that I got clarity on. My understanding of my need for a relationship with Christ changed me. It changed the relationship with my wife. It changed the relationship with my kids and ultimately helped me to understand what God's purpose was for my life. And it has been such a joy for me to be able to look back and see where God has been faithful. But one of the responsibilities that um, I took on was uh, just the responsibility of training my kids up. And uh, I'm probably at fault for the first one because she was, I think, probably 10 before I became a believer. And so she saw uh, all the uh, baggage that I brought in. She saw the genuine conversion, so which was good. But I didn't have an opportunity to, to teach her. Uh, how to do her finances. Now, she has uh, subsequently become a believer. Uh, she's a worship leader, and so finances are something that she's learned to manage, but it's something that her and I continue to joke about. But I remember with our kids, when I sat down to uh, teach them about finances, um, we were very intentional about that. And I knew right after she came home with that check from Myers that first time, I knew I was in trouble, that I had kind of dropped the ball. So I picked that up pretty quick. So I started working with our kids, and I have a uh, uh, four girls. And so the two younger ones... Uh, unfortunately, have just had me every step of the way. <laughs> so I don't know if that's good or bad from their perspective. I hope that's been good. But I really was intentional about helping my kids to understand their finances. And so when kids were younger... Uh, when they got a dollar, um, I taught them to, hey, a dime goes to uh, God. You honor God with your finances. And so uh, the offering uh, would come by. If they were in church, they'd put it in the offering. Back in children's ministry, our kids actually have an opportunity to participate in tithes and offerings. And so that's something that we want to teach our kids to do is to honor God with their finances. And so I would tell the kids, hey, a dime goes here. And then I said, you want to save some because you're going to need some. And so I had another envelope. They put a dime in there. And then if you got 80 cents, you can play with that. For 80 cents, they could buy a candy bar, whatever they wanted to do. When you're talking with a the dollar, there's not a lot of trouble they can get into. But then they started making the money, right? They got involved in babysitting, and they made $10. I remember my first daughter, she came home, she had a $10 check, and I said, okay, look, you just made $10. And so you have to take a dollar, and you, you want to honor God with your finances. And so I taught her to tithe. I said, now, you've been talking to me about wanting a bicycle, and you've been talking about some things that you want. And so I want to encourage you, uh, that $10, to maybe take five of that and uh, put that in a uh, kind of a temporary savings account because you're going to want that later. And so with Katie, she would tithe, and then she had uh, $5 that would she save, and then she had $4 that she could just spend with. And she could, I'd encourage her, I said, when you come home from work, don't spend more than the $4, okay? I said, because you want to make sure that you're honoring guys with your finances and that you're uh, are saving money for things that you want, and then you can spend the rest. And then now, you know, as the kids grow older, um, they got a little bit more responsible, and then uh, they get into college, and uh, let's be honest about college. And so my daughters, uh, have all worked their way through college, and I encourage them to uh, to tithe. I said, you always want to honor God with your finances. And so I'd never stop tithing and said, you're not going to be uh, uh, saving right now because you got this college bill that <laughs> you just need to pay. And there's no extra money for you to, to spend. I said, right now, everything that you're going to go is going to your expenses. And so you have this huge college fund that you're going to have to, you know, you're going to want to you know, pay off. Now, the kids had been pretty good uh, when they were growing up to start saving some money for college, and so we had them kind of working that way. And so they had somewhat of some investments that had been saving, and they were able to use that for college. But then they got into college, and the expenses just kind of went through the roof. And so uh, when you're in college, you know, you're primarily working on honoring God with your finances and uh, paying off your college debt. Now, uh, two of my kids have come out of college, they've got great jobs, and as adults, we finish college, and then we get into, uh, uh, we start getting into the big money, right? Like I can remember my first check. You know, you know, we make a hundred dollars. Let's go to this next slide, because I think for the adults, I want to help you to focus on, on five areas that you need to focus on for spending. When you're kids and you're working with change, it's a lesson that, the principles that you're teaching them. When you're in college, it's kind of a fight for survival. <laughs> but when you turn into an adult, there's some priorities that we really need to put in place in our finances, and we talked about the importance of honoring God with our tithe. Remember, we can't serve God and money. We need to honor God in that way, and we we bring a tithe to Him to say just to recognize, hey, thank you for your provision. This this puts you in your rightful place in my life with regard to our money. And so when I make my first hundred and fifty dollars, the first thing that I would want to that I want to do, that I want my kids to do, is say, hey, look, here's a hundred dollars. I'm going to put ten dollars and I'm going to tithe with that because I want to honor God with my with my finances. I want God's blessing on my life. I want to put God first in my life. I don't want to serve man. I want to serve God. And I want him to be a priority. And so I honor God with a tithe. Coming out of college, typically you're still working off that loan. When I got married, we, got, uh, we started talking about a house and car, and so the expenses started racking up. And so, you know, we uh, honored God with our finances, um, but then we had to work through our expenses. And so I can remember, you know, man, it, I had just a lot of expenses. And so I had, uh, I had uh, a house payment, I had a car, we were paying off some college loans. One of the things that was really important for us is we, we started to save some additional money for emergency funding. So the idea is, is that, hey, we wanted to have some cash set aside in case there was an emergency. Cars break down, we have all kinds of problems. And so we'd put maybe ten dollars, you know, out of the hundred into our emergency fund. And then we had this debt that we continued to accumulate. We had that college debt we were still paying off, we had the cars, and so we'd pay off some debt. And then the other thing that we were pretty intentional about was right off the bat, one of the things that, uh, uh was really important. One thing that my dad did say to me is, hey, look, when you get older, it's going to start coming out. It's going to go out faster than it comes in. You really need to be intentional about savings. And so right off the bat, um, I started uh, long-term investments. And so I invested in a 401K. I just had 1% of my salary put in there. And uh, so I started to invest uh, long-term. It wasn't money that I could get to until I was 65 years old. Every once in a while I look over that and think, man, I wish I could get into that, but I can't. And so I started investing at a young age. And then, you know, I was faithful. And as a result of our faithfulness, let's just say, God, is faithful. All of a sudden you get blessed. Now instead of making $100, I'm making $150. And so what's the first thing that we do? When we do what we want to honor God with our finances. And so we're going to put in, uh, you know, we're going to put in $15 in our tithe. Now we've kept our expenses flat. And I want to tell you, one of the things that typically happens when somebody makes a little bit more money or they get a raise, you know what the first thing is that they do? They spend more. You know, we've had an opportunity, we've moved, I've had uh, seven, eight homes, and uh, and uh every time that we moved, you know what we did? We bought bigger, then we filled it. We bought bigger, and we filled it. You know, typically when we make more money, we spend more money, and that is an issue because we have got to keep those, if we can keep those expenses in line, then it enables us to do other things with our finances. Every realtor I've ever bought a house with has said, you know what? This, they looked at my income, and they said to me, you know what? You can get a bigger house. And so it took me a while before I had to say, look, I know I can afford this. This is what I want. I need to keep my expenses in line. And we have to be intentional about that. It's not a matter of what you qualify for. It's a matter of what you, that what you should be spending when you take a look at your whole financial picture. And so if we can keep our expenses flat, then that's, that works, that works to our benefit. And so if I'm making my $150, I want to keep my expenses flat. And so I might put, uh, you know, my $80 into my expenses. My tie $15, I'm going to put a little bit of money in my emergency fund, uh, then I'm going to come down here, I'm going to get, continue to get that pe- debt paid down, and I'm going to continue to put a little bit in my uh, investments. And so I'm going to continue to invest long term. You know, because of God's faithfulness, and uh, we honor God with our finances, God continues to bless us. Let's say we make uh, another $150, and all of a sudden we, we get a bonus. And so whenever we get a bonus, what's the first thing we do? We tithe on that. And so, uh, if we're making $150, I'm still gonna do my $15. i am gonna tithe on my bonus. Uh, I've kept my expenses in line, so I've still got my 80. But hey, I got that raise, and so, uh, I, my, my, my fund is now full. My emergency fund is full. And so now I've got all the money I need to, uh, do, in case something happens, so my emergency fund's sitting over here, i have tied, I'm keeping my expenses in line, and all of a sudden, uh, my debt starts to get paid down, and so if I've been faithful, and I've paid down my debt, you know, this is almost gone, and then I've got my debt paid off, and so now I don't have any debt, and so if I can get my debt paid off, and I keep my expenses in line, what I'm really looking at is, how do I honor God with my finances, how does God provide for me as I live, and all of a sudden, how can I uh, continue to Invest, And so now, if my debt is gone and and my emergency funds filled up, all of a sudden when I get to the end of the paycheck, you know what this is? This is extra cash. And with this extra cash, I have some options. I can do a lot of things with my extra cash. I can start to invest in... Other stocks and bonds. I can be. Uh, I can. I can start to invest my money now. I can come back and I can be generous over here. I'm. A, I can. Ex, I can have an opportunity to to go beyond my tithe and maybe support a child or a family. Or I can. I can start to honor God. In a major way with my finances. And so, if we can just get these things in line, these spending priorities are so important. This is a place for you to write this. Uh, just write this on your bulletin. I would encourage you, as you look at these five spending priorities, to make sure that you always are putting the tithe at the top. We have got to honor God with our finances. And we have got to manage our expenses. If we're faithful with our expenses and we just, and we spend just what we need, um, then that's going to give us the additional room for emergencies, to pay off our debt and to invest. Our money. And I know a lot of times um, I was talking to somebody. Just actually, I just had this conversation last week. We were talking about finances. I've had a lot of questions about this series. Um, I get a lot of feedback off of our welcome slips. I've got a couple of emails and uh, just in conversations with people about finances. Uh, it's like you know, typically when a church talks about finances, the typical "oh, here it goes again." But I tell you, this is such an important topic. We've got to talk about it because it, our finances, money and sex are the two things that kill marriage. Fifty percent of marriages will not work in this country, and it's because of money and sex. Finances are an issue. It's an idol. It's causes, it causes turmoil in our relationships. It interferes with our, the ability to, our, to have a fullness of a relationship with God. Money is just important. We've got to talk about it. The Bible says a lot about money. And we've got to be able to talk about it in a healthy way. And so I want to encourage you, as you look at these biblical principles throughout this series, and I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of the past weeks, you can go online to our website. I'd encourage you to uh, listen to past messages. But as you think about spending priorities, make these five. Just purpose in your heart today to say, hey, I'm going to be intentional about honoring God with my finances. I want to be intentional about managing my expenses. I want to be like the ant. I want to be wise. I want to save, not spend everything that comes in. You know, this idea of having an emergency fund is, hey, we have got to be prepared. You know, things are going to happen. And so having an emergency fund set aside is so important. And we should not be a slave to our debtors. And so it's so important to get our debt paid off. And then this idea of investment a biblical principle that we want to look at today. But a lot of times I get a questions about, um, hey, if I'm in debt, um, should I continue um, to tithe? You know, I just talked to somebody about this last week. And it, they were working, they kind of told me the financial picture and, and so as people kind of process to me, first of all, I never tell anybody what to do. And so uh, this is an issue that is between them and their spouse. It's an issue between them and, uh, and God. And so there's a, there's a biblical perspective that I always want to share. And so I always ask the question, if, you, uh, want, if, if God could just wipe all of your problems out and take care of all of that debt for you, would you want him to do that? And the answer is always what? Yes, I would love if God could just take care of all my financial problems. I said, well, then don't cut God out of the solution because God can take care of all your financial problems. And so I always encourage people to stick to these priorities. Always honor God with your finances and he will bless you and he will provide for you. In fact, um, this past week, I had an opportunity to talk to Chris and Karin Kabaki. They're going to come out now and I wanted them to, uh, to kind of share their story. But uh, I've got a quick video I want to watch and then we're just going to let them share.
1: In meantime, the economy showing signs of recovery, but Americans unfortunately still losing jobs. It's definitely a glass half full story though, because in this Money and Main Street report, Alan Chernoff shows us that a jobless family determined to make 13 weeks of severance pay last a full year, and they say they're actually having
2: fun doing it. Karen and Chris Kubacki jogging home from an errand instead of driving. It's one of many cost-saving steps the Kubackis are taking since Karin, the family breadwinner, was laid off in July from her software job at Accenture. At first, it's the you know, instant panic, oh my gosh, we're going to lose the house tomorrow, we're going to be living in the street in cardboard box. This
1: could be your breakfast.
2: Karin decided to turn her loss into an opportunity to spend more time with the family while taking time to find another job she'd love. So the Kubakis plan to stretch Karin's unemployment checks and her 13-week severance to last a full year, determined not to dig into savings
1: how do you do it i have the rules posted actually at my desk
2: rules like live within your means which the Kubakis say they've always done they're also do it yourselfers chris a stay-at-home dad who is a woodworker builds toys for his son max my dad made it that's the best for the first time karen set up a budget To stick to it, the family shops only for absolute necessities. The library is now a frequent stop, as are other free community resources.
1: We've had more fun since I lost my job than ever.
2: Having adopted a frugal lifestyle, the Kubakis say they now truly appreciate small luxuries.
1: And if you pick just a couple of luxuries, like Hershey bars, (laughs) um, you really enjoy them.
2: Even as they stretch, the Kubakis still donate ten percent of Karin's unemployment check to their church. Living only a few doors away from the neighborhood food pantry, the Kubakis are often reminded of their blessings.
1: So I don't have a job right now. We've got a house, we've got food, we have nothing to complain about.
2: Alan Chernoff, CNF.
0: All right, well good mm. Yeah, no, son. <laughs> That's CNN, man. National news. That's a pretty big deal, Karen. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, when we found out we were going to do it, that
1: um, that was quite the thing. (laughs) Um, So as you saw in the video, we were planning to make the severance package plus unemployment last for a full year. We gave God a tithe from our severance package, which surprised Pastor Dan, and a tithe from every unemployment check. And then we trusted what God said about putting him to the test, that passage we talked about in Malachi. We wondered privately whether we were going to be the first family in the history of Springbrook to take Pastor Dan up on his offer to return our tithe because God wasn't going to come through for us. In fact, for 11 months, God used his people to provide for us in amazing ways, and we learned to depend on God for what we needed. Twice someone brought us groceries. Once someone left a $100 bill in Chris's music folder right before the service. Another time, an anonymous cash gift came in the mail, and there are more examples. After 11 months to the day of trusting that God would provide a job in his training, he did. He provided a job at the company where I had just left. And, in fact, the first paycheck came the very day that my severance ran out and we were going to start using our savings. It was eerie. (laughs) I was grateful again to be working again, but I was afraid to spend money on anything because at the end of three months, who knew what was going to happen just because God had been faithful for a whole year. Um, so, you know, it's really great to stand here and we can tell you all these stories about God's faithfulness, but the truth is that there were real bills coming due and there was a real family to feed, and, you know, this is where the rubber hit the road. But we trusted God. And we read that that thing in Philippians 4 about not being anxious about everything. We read it a lot. Mm -hmm. Tried to remember it. After three months, the job was extended for another two months. The Great Recession was still raging. And we looked up every Bible verse we could find about God's faithfulness and his provision. Put them on the refrigerator. The job was extended for a few months after that. And a few months after that, and after three years, the project ended. And so we asked everyone we knew to pray that somehow I would stay employed. Just two days before my contract was to end and I was going to be back out on the unemployment line in the depths of the Great Recession. Well, not the depths, but not good. God brought a job offer from a very unlikely place. Since then... God has provided for our family faithfully through one contract expiration after another right up until today. My most recent contract extension was at the beginning of October, so less than two months ago. Several times there's been a 0% chance that my contract was going to be extended, and then it would be. Well, we certainly don't know what the future holds for our family. We do know that God is faithful. We know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And whatever life holds, we trust that he's going to walk us through it at one step at a time.
0: Mm. You know, i got to say, Corinne, uh, I've been here for that story aired. I think right after I got here, I've been here for um, almost eight years. And you know, it's been encouraging for me just to be able to uh, to pray for different families. I read those prayer requests every week. Uh, just But it's been encouraging for me because. Um, Occasionally, I would see yours on there. or my contracts expiring? And I'd be praying for you. And it was really neat to be able to have you say, oh, it came through. And so for eight years, I want you just being faithful to that. And both you and Chris have just done a fantastic job. You've been great role models. You know, I know that there's, um, you know, maybe somebody sitting out there this morning that might be sitting in there. Yeah, but you don't understand my situation. Or that, uh, you know, my debt's too large. Or uh, just maybe really struggle with this idea of how do you honor God with your finances? What would you say to somebody, Chris, that might be struggling with um, just what this looks like for them in terms of honoring God with finances?
1: What I learned through that again is, as you saw that when it boils down to it, God doesn't need your money.
2: Hmm.
1: He doesn't really want your money. He can bring money to the church if he wants. It's not an issue of money. And if you're struggling with, should I tithe or not? I'm afraid of this or that. The question you really have to ask yourself and the, one I'll challenge you with is, who do you trust? Mm. Yeah. And we had to make the decision, and it wasn't an easy one to say, we're going to trust God on this. Yeah. And that, I, that we struggle with it still, and a bill will come in, we're going to trust God. The contract expired, we're going to trust God. He is faithful, he comes through, and I'd rather put my trust in the uh, infinite creator of the universe than my own bank account.
0: Amen. <laughs> Well, I I want to thank you guys for coming out and for sharing that. So God bless you. You know, one of the things that um, I was impressed with was... uh, there was trust, but then there was also the, the understanding that, hey, we, there's some things that we can do uh, to control our expenses. And so God will partner with us in that. But uh, we have to trust God. And and that's not the default. Our, our desire is typically to think uh, about how can I get a, uh, another job or how can I manage. It's, the tendency is to try to pull it close because we want to be in charge of our finances. And the idea that we're going to trust God with that is it is scary, but I know that God is faithful. I want to go back to a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 19 Verse uh, 24 says this. Jesus is talking. He says, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And I want to stop there for a second. This is a great passage to write down. Matthew 19. That needle is a sewing instrument. It's actually a physical. It's a, it's a needle. I've heard some people say, oh, it's the entrance to a gate or it's, a, uh, you know, it's just a tight squeeze. Um, it is actually a sewing needle. It's an instrument. And it's very small. And uh, it's got a very small hole in it. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of an eel than for a rich person to get into heaven. Which means what? That if you're going to rely on your finances and you're not going to trust God, that that's going to interfere with your relationship, your ability to trust him. Ultimately, we have to be able to place our faith in Christ and trust him with our salvation. We have to be able to put God first, and we want to make him our Lord. And so we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He's our Lord. We're going to submit ourselves to him, to to his word. And and we're going to reflect on, we're going to let his word transform us. He's not just going to get us into heaven, but he's the Lord of my life. And he's he's got some principles that need to come to bear in my life. And if I'm going to trust myself and my finances and I'm not going to trust him, then the impact of that is, is I'm not going to be able to spend eternity for him. We all have the ability to pay for our own sin. It's eternal separation. Or we can place our faith in him and we can find our security in knowing that we're going to spend eternity in heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were astonished. I can't believe that. What are you saying? They were astonished. Well, who that can be saved? Because a camel can't go through a needle. Jesus looked at them and he said this, With man is impossible, but with God all things are possible. God has the ability to multiply our loaves and fishes. God has the ability to provide for us in our times of distress and our need. And when we step out and we put our faith and we trust him, All things are possible. It's a trust issue. When we trust God with our finances, He is going to provide. It's a simple trust issue. and when it comes to spending and investments, we want to look at those for a minute because those are important. We have to trust God with our finances. We have to prioritize our spending. But then God also gives us the opportunity to invest. We should be wise like the ant. We need to make investments. There's two ways to make money. We can go get another job, and so I can make money. There's people making money. Or we can have our money make money. And that's where investments comes into play. You know, we can work for our money. That's a great way to make money is to go get another job. In fact, we're supposed to have jobs. Working is a good thing. In Second Thess- Thessalonians uh, 3.10, Paul's talking to the disciples. He's talking about the fact that we are not dependent. We're- God has provided for us, and we're, we're not a burden to anybody else. He says, even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. So we need to work. We need to provide for ourselves. And if somebody's not willing to work, then they're not going to be able to eat. There's a sense that we all have a responsibility to provide for ourselves. We need to be willing to work. Work is something that God has created for us to do. It's a healthy thing to work. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, It's the creation account. It talks about, uh, you read through Genesis chapter 1, it's the creation of the heavens and the earth. You see the creation account. When you move into chapter 2, you see the the creation of uh, man specifically, of Adam and Eve. In verse 15, right after God created Adam, it says he took him and he put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. This passage is not on the screen, but I would encourage you to write this one down. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord said, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge and good or evil. For when you eat it, you will surely die. Even before the fall, even before sin entered into the world, it was a part of God's design that we work. Work is a biblical thing. It's, it's healthy for us to work. And to provide for ourselves. Paul says, look, if you're not willing to work, then you're not going to eat. Working is healthy. It's a biblical. Now, it happens sinners into the world. They eat their fruit. And uh, God says to Adam in uh, chapter 3, verse 17, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I told you not to eat, cursed is the ground because of you. and pain you're going to toil. All the produce, there's going to be there's going to be thorns and thistles and you're going to have to eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat your food until you return to the ground. And so because of the fall, we have harsher worker conditions, but there's nothing wrong with working. It's biblical. We've been created for it. It's healthy. It's about how God provides for us. And and uh, we can we have the ability to to get a job and, and to make money so people can work for money. So if we need more money. We can we can find other jobs. The other thing that we can do is we can put our money to work. We can put our money to work, let it work for us. In Matthew 25, uh, it tells a story about a man that entrusted um, some talents. He entrusted five talents to one guy, two talents uh, to one, and then to one guy, he gave one. And uh, it says that the five, each of the three men did something different with it. But in verse 16, the one that had received the five talents went at once and did what? He traded with them and he made five talents more. And so one hid his money because he was afraid, and, uh, and, and that turns out to be problematic because he wasn't trusting God. He wasn't being faithful, and he wasn't investing wisely, and so he lost his talent. And uh, then the second guy invested moderately, but this five guys that had the five talents. He went at once, and he traded with it, and he made five more you know this idea of letting your money work for you is really biblical investing is a is a healthy thing it's a good thing we can we can we can work for money or we can make our money make money and so that's what the investments does when we invest our money and we make money you know this enables us to help other we can we can continue to be generous in our giving um enables us to help people that have expenses maybe around us that are in need. And then we can continue to invest so that we're not a burden to our children. And so investing is a very healthy thing. And I, I tell you, that's... Um... That's where it kind of breaks down for me. I've been kind of hit and miss on the investing. I bought a stock once. I bought it for $10. Somebody gave me a tip. It went up to $20. And I was like, ooh, I made some money. And So I've made money, and then I've got a stock right now that I bought 20 years ago. I bought it for $5, and I think it's worth a penny right now. So so trading stocks is not something you want some advice from me on because I am not a stock trader. But I've got a friend of mine that really is good managing his money. And so I've got uh, – I had some of my 401Ks from my retirement. I said, hey, look, I don't know what to do with this, but I figure you're in the business, and so you know what to do with it. So I gave it to somebody that I trusted, that I knew could invest my money for me, and uh, he's done a fantastic job. He's making my money work for me. And so there's things that we can do, and if you take Dave Ramsey's uh, financial peace class, I'd encourage you that uh, if you have uh, – you're working through uh, trying to put together a budget or you're struggling working through your spending – uh, that financial peace class is really a great class. You can sign up for that. Um, that's going to be starting at the beginning of the year. And uh, if you want to know more information about that, you can just write FPU on your on your welcome slip. But that class will help you to understand how do you how do you prioritize your spending, and then it's also got some great ideas for how you invest. And so investing is really a, a great way to let your money um, work. Uh, for you, and so you can find somebody that uh, can manage your money for you. If you've got the time and you want to, if you're good at stocks, you have a stock tip. You'll know, let me know. I still like to play around with that once in a while. But uh, that financial peace class would be a really good class for you because at the end of it, it talks about how do you leverage uh, and make your money work for you. You can, if you invest—I forget what the numbers are—but if you invest uh, something along the lines of you know five dollars a day for 40 years at 10% uh, at the end of 40 years, you've got like five million dollars or something ridiculous. I mean, if you look at the uh, uh, the investing part of that, it's really a great way for you to make your money work for you. And it frees you up to, to be generous and to allow God to, um, to, to use you in different ways. You know, when it comes to investments, there's a couple of different ways to invest. You can invest for yourself and for the people around you, or you can also make a kingdom investment. You know, you can make a kingdom investment. In uh, Matthew chapter 13 Uh, It says this is the kingdom of heaven. When you talk about making kingdom investments and you think about a worldly perspective of investing, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a treasure that's sitting in a field which a man found and he covered up in his joy. He does what he went out and he sold all that he has. and He invested in that field. He bought the field and that field was. The kingdom of heaven, and it's the opportunity that we have, is talking about the good news about Christ. My relationship with Christ was so exciting, life transforming. Nobody else had it that I'm willing to sell everything I have to buy that field so that I can share that good news that I've discovered with other people. And so we can make investments in kingdom work. And so we can have our money work for us, and we can make money, and we can spend our own money, or we can, we can let God have it, and we can invest in, in heavenly things. And, and we do a great job with that at Springbrook. Springbrook just does a fantastic job. We are so generous. In fact, um, two years ago when we did uh, our Disciple Driven Initiative, you gave $30,000 for us to plant 100 churches in, in India through the Timothy Initiative. And it has been so encouraging just to hear story after story about how we have, our finances have had an eternal impact. In fact, I got a video from a guy on Thanksgiving I want to share with you. Let's show this.
1: See the beautiful woman's?
0: with the child, with their children. They have they have come here to hear the word of God. They have listened the gospel. And many of them have received the Lord today. They have got new life. Congratulations to them for this
1: wonderful fellowship. Praise God for this opportunity to be with these wonderful and lovely
0: people. God bless them. Thank you very much. So we took our finances and we invested it through the Timothy initiative and and Deepak is one of the uh, church planters that started a church plant. And I, call, I was on Facebook and I said, hey, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was good. Kids all came home, had some Thanksgiving. What did you do? And he sent me that video. <laughs> that happened Thursday. I mean, the guy's out telling people about Christ. And and so he went out on Thanksgiving. They'll celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a U.S. holiday. But our Thanksgiving, he's out in the field telling people about Jesus Christ and having a worship service and people are making faith commitments and coming to Christ. Isn't that awesome? That's a praise God. That's a praise God. You know, last Sunday, it was so encouraging. I got some pictures here of our shoe boxes and and it was so encouraging to be able to see how people took their finances and they bought these uh, shoe boxes and they're mailing these kits um, all over the world. And if you put one of those kits together, you go to the website, you can actually track the uh, shoebox, you can actually see the the children that get it, and and in each one of those shoeboxes is an opportunity for somebody to hear about a relationship with Christ. I mean, people are—it's not just about the presence, but about helping people understand their need for a relationship with Christ. It was just so encouraging to see how many of you participated in that and were, came to the wrapping party. And uh, if you were shoebox, raise your hand really quick. Yeah, anybody in shoeboxes? I want to thank you for that. That was really exciting to be able to watch. And so, when you take your finances and you do and you invest it in this way. It's having an eternal impact. The kingdom of heaven is like that. And so you can invest. And so you can take your money and you can you can put it right in front. It's actually as if you just like put it right into heaven. People are going to show up. People are going to show up and have a relationship with Christ because of your investment. And so when you think about investing, you can invest in things for this life. Sorry, worship team. <laughs> so you can invest in things. Uh, and you can take that money and you can spend it in other areas or you can, you can invest that and you can put it into a, eternal things as well and have this kind of an impact. Our Fall Compassion Series was, it was just so exciting to see people be generous to that. Through our shoe boxes, through our turkey baskets, I got a picture, uh, well thank George and Mike Montez and the Stewarts and, uh, you know, we, we had, uh, we collected turkey baskets for people that didn't have food over Thanksgiving. And they delivered all those baskets Monday. And so because of people's generosity, we were able to share the love of Christ with people in need in our community. And it's exciting. And so those are just some ways that we can invest uh, in and in, in have an, an eternal impact. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, as we come off of Thanksgiving, to take some time to reflect back, to remember, and to give thanks to God for his provision. I love the Thanksgiving holidays, I love turkey, I like being with the kids, but it's really an opportunity for us to as a family to sit down together and thank God together for his provision. And to celebrate that. And so as we head into the Christmas holidays, there's there's a lot of great sales, there's a lot of things that uh you know, I was I had my eye on some some electronics, I thought, you know what? I need to be content with what I have. My phone works great, my computer works great, everything I have works great, I need to be content. And so this year we're looking at how can we, how can we help with sponsoring a child. Or we, 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 have a, 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 we have a girl that's a part of our church family that's going out to be a missionary, and so we've come alongside to her and support her. And so our kids, we've had great opportunities to talk with our kids about, hey, as we move through the Christmas season, hey, what are some things that we can do as a family to really have an eternal investment? And those are great conversations to have. And so I want to encourage you as you head into the holidays to really you know, continue to think about your spending. Prioritize your spending. And then uh, if you need some help with investments, or if you're trying to think about how to manage your money, I'd encourage you to sign up for that financial peace class. You know, all of this uh, makes sense only if you have a relationship with Christ. You know, I think that uh, it's the spirit of God inside of us It's that when his spirit enters into us that we experience life changing, these things start to click. And so this morning, if you're kind of struggling with your finances it really step back and say, hey, have I have I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And so maybe that's a place for you to start this morning. Maybe it, it really starts there because you can manage your finances and you can prioritize your spending and you can you can give money to the church. But, you know, apart from who you are in Christ. Um, Those things don't make sense, and you don't have the assurance of spending eternity uh, with our Father in heaven. So this morning, if you if you have never come to the point that you've really been able to say, "Hey, I'm trusting Jesus as my Lord and Savior," that really is your first step, even before the finances. So if you have questions about that, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. On the back of that welcome slip, there's a place we indicate um, you're interested in a relationship with Christ, or if you're interested in our financial peace class. I want to encourage you to just to fill that out. Our usher is going to come forward in just a second. But I also want to let you know we just launched a new app as well. And so our Push Pay app was something that we launched a couple of weeks ago. And so you can automate your giving. It's really easy to give. In fact, our year end offering is on there as well. And so Pastor Dan's going to come up in just a moment and talk about our year end offering. Um, so many of you gave to our pastor appreciation um, you know, last month. And I just, I want to thank you. Uh, My wife and I got uh, a gift um, last week, and it came at uh, just the right time, and you were such a blessing. Uh, And many of you gave through that Pushpay app, and so I just want to thank you for your generosity. Um, As we move forward into the next year, we just launched the Springbrook app, and so you'll be able to, uh, we're going to be putting some information up for our our small groups, our church calendars on there, and the the Springbrook app's on the right. You can notice push pays right over there to the right. And so um, you can uh, just uh, you can give electronically through Push Pay with our app, or you can use Push Pay. It's really easy to connect with that. If you have any questions about that, I know this can be a little bit confusing. Some people are really all about the cell phones and this app stuff's not a problem. But if you want to know more, you go to springbrook.org slash apps. Um, we'll explain all of that. In fact, if you want to register for our grief share right at the bottom right, you can click that little button, you can register right for the grief share right there as well. So that's a great way for us to communicate with other people what's going on at Springbrook. Uh, it's a great way for you to automate your giving. And uh, I am really looking forward to um, what God's going to do uh, in and through our church families as we head into the next year. So I want to thank you for your faithfulness this past year. Uh, let's just uh, continue to seek God together. Uh, My is going to come forward. We're going to collect those tithes and offerings in just a moment. Would you pray with me as we just uh, uh, just seek God together at this time, uh, Father? I just want to thank you for all the ways you provide for us. Thank you for the ways that you uh, provide for our ministry, uh, for our staff, uh, for our ministries. God, the opportunity that we have to invest in the lives of kids and teens and adults. Uh, because of the uh, faithfulness and the generosity of people in this church. There's just nothing short of miraculous. And so, God, thank you for your provision. I just thank you for all the ways you provide for us personally, for our families, uh, just for our friends. Uh, God, uh, as we come to the close of the Thanksgiving season, God, help us uh, to just to constantly be in thanks. We're to give thanks to you at all times, uh, not just on Thursday with dressing, but uh, God, help us to just cultivate hearts of thanksgiving. As we head into the Christmas holidays, God, As we look forward to uh, just focusing on you and worshiping you and preparing for the birth of your son. God, I pray that you would continue to draw us each closer into our relationship with you. Uh, God, thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And we lift this day up to you for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.